We're going to begin in verse 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you received, ye by the Spirit, the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now made perfect by the flesh? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come to your house and, and read your word, God, to, to study. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us that we could have open and receptive hearts to your word, to your spirit this morning. Lord, we thank you for the, so many prayers that are answered even among us this morning. And God, we lift up so many others to you that are unable to be with us. Uh, God, those above all who are lost, that they can see their need of salvation. Lord, help those of us who are saved. That we wouldn't allow this world to bewitch us. God, that we wouldn't leave our first love. God, that we could stay faithful. And God, that we could even even become more faithful and love you in a greater way as you so ever deserve. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We ask you for, to forgive us where we fail you. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. I do believe that if Paul were to come and preach in the Bible Belt of the South, that's what we call it, right? If Paul were to come and preach in the Bible Belt of the South, he would not be invited back to the majority of churches. Do y'all believe that? He would not be invited back. <coughs> Paul was honest and he was blunt. And, and I believe that in a lot of ways he was that way because it was in a letter and he wasn't having to say it in person. I can be a lot more uh, blunt in, in a message and over the phone than I am in person. Now, I'm a little more wary of what I say in person. And, and most of us are. But Paul, in, in his letters, especially to, to Galatians and, and, and the church there at Ephesus, and even those at Philippi, he was very blunt, he was very honest about the things going on in church, about the divisions in church, uh, about the erring from the gospel in church, about them reverting back to Judaism in church. And, and that's what he's, he's trying to get over to these people here. They're, they're trying to revert back. They're trying to go back to where they were. They're, they're trying to go back to what was comfortable. They're trying to, to, to just go back because they're, they're in unfamiliar territory, that they're living on faith, and, and they're supposed to be walking by faith. But that is hard to do. Anybody ever found it easy to walk by faith? Raise your hand because I want to meet you. Walking by faith ain't easy. Walking by faith is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. You know why? Because it's like closing your eyes and walking and walking and walking until there's nothing there anymore. That's what walking by faith is because we anticipate there being nothing there. Because we don't see God the way that we all see Him. We don't see God as, as even though this step goes down, God can take care of my foot. Right? God can take care of me. God is not going to let harm come to me for no apparent reason. If God does allow things in my life, it is for my benefit. It's because I needed to fall. So many times that, that walk by faith is hard because we don't know what's coming. We have no idea what's on the other side of the door. We have no idea what's on the other side of the way. We have no idea what's on the other side of our faith because we don't have faith enough to see God. We don't have faith enough to see God. And this church was the same way. Turn back to Galatians chapter 1. And, and look at what Paul said. In verse number 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul said, I, I'm amazed at how soon you left what is right. I'm amazed how soon that, that you left what is, what is Christian, what is gospel, what is of God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at how easily bewitched you are. 
And that's why he calls them fools. Because they are swayed so very easily. He said, I'm amazed at how quick that you've turned around. And how quick you've turned loose of, of what you held on to. Of how quick you, you've turned, uh, turned loose of what you've been taught all of your life. And what you have seen as valuable all of your life. So many times in the gospel, Jesus said, continue, 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 continue. Paul told Timothy to continue in what you have been taught. Continue in what you have learned. That is important because nobody, nobody wants to flatline. Right? Nobody wants to flatline in any way. Y'all watch them in people at the hospital. Beep, 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 beep. Nobody wants to flatline. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to get to that point. And in our faith, if we ever get to the place that we flatline, then we are spiritually dead. If we get to the point in our faith that, that, that our heart is no longer working, that our spirit is no longer working, that we as individuals are no longer working, we have flatlined and we are then useless to the gospel of God. If anything, we are then hurting the gospel of God because there's nothing like a kid, and I've seen it, and it hurt me. There's nothing like a kid watching people all of their life. People that, that teach Sunday school and, and, and men that are deacons and, and ladies that, that take care of, of people in churches. And, and I mean, this old lady gave me candy every single time I came to church. For a long time, that's why I came to church. Because she had these little strawberry candies. And she'd give me a strawberry candy every Sunday morning. I'd go give her a hug. And she just loved it. Turns out she, she would have gave all the kids strawberry candy if they would have just come showed her some attention. And then on Sunday night, she would give us butterscotch candies. And then on Wednesday night, she would give us these little peanut butter bars. They're really, really crispy and crunchy. You can buy them at Dollywood. They're weird. They're like this long and have stripes on them. Anyway, every time we came to church, she would give us some sort of candy if we came to, to hug her and, and listen to her and, and just give her a little bit of attention and, and show her a little bit of love. And, and she worked in the church. I mean, she worked. She was about it. And her husband, he was, he was all about it. He, he was getting after it. And then they stopped coming. Just as a kid, I, I didn't know what happened. As an adult, I still don't know what happened. And a few weeks ago, I asked a man a question, and he came back with this answer. He said, Would anybody think it's weird if you missed a church service? I said, Well, yes, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the preacher. People would think it's weird if I missed a church service. But as long as I was a member of a church, were people worried about me whenever I missed? Was I that faithful? Is it a big deal whenever you miss church? Whenever my mom would miss church, which didn't happen often, people would call her, ask her if she was okay, if she was all right. And that's a testament of how wonderful a mother I had. But if you were to miss church, would people wonder where you are or would they not give it a second thought? These people at Galatians, they were withdrawn by everything. They were pulled away by everything. And, and if you didn't get an opportunity to study your Sunday school lesson this week, there are a few more on the table in the back. Brother Darren Webb wrote today's lesson. And then Brother Dean did an awesome job with it. But Brother Darren, is, he has a gift for teaching. He, he really does. He has a way of, of saying things that 
it just makes you think. And he said this morning, he said, whenever men no longer find satisfaction in God, they go seeking something else. That was in the lesson. And I love that. Because it, it completely depicts the depravity of man in that statement. Whenever we are no longer satisfied with God, did God do something to dissatisfy us? Did God, has God ever not been good enough to us for us to serve him? That was kind of confusing. Has God ever let you down? Has God ever given you anything that you did not deserve other than, you know, blessings and grace and salvation and Jesus, all that good stuff? Has God ever mistreated you? Has God ever done you wrong? He ever slapped you in the face? It's hard to see whenever we're going through things, but God works them for our good, for our benefit, so that we have a testimony, so that we have a, a way to, to help others. God has given us above and beyond what we could ever deserve, what we could ever think we deserve. And so many times, we are the ones that slap Him in the face. We are the ones who, who like this church at Galatia, we have, verse number 3, He said, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect? <laughs> are you now made perfect by the flesh? Having begun in the Spirit, having been taught, the ways of God, having been taught the Bible, having been taught the doctrines of the Scripture, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Is the things that you seek and the things that you love now outside of God? Because whenever we become dissatisfied with God, then we seek for something to satisfy us. <clears throat> when I was in high school, my, my best friend, not, not just high school, we, we started school together when we was that big, I mean little bitty. First grade, no, maybe kindergarten. And we went to school together every year of our life up until, I don't know, 10th or 11th grade. And the kid moved to schools. We still talked. He lived right up the road just a few minutes from here. And we still talked and, and we hung out sometimes, but he wasn't satisfied with his life. He, he was missing something. His parents said had split up and he was back and forth between them. He was given everything he ever could have wanted. He was given all of the money. He, he always drove the best vehicles, wore the best clothes, but he was always missing something. And I distinctly remember whenever we were in the second grade, he came to me one Sunday, uh, Monday morning and he said, I got saved yesterday. I said, what do you mean you got saved? He said, the heavens opened up and glory filled my soul. Apparently that's what the song they sang that morning. He told everybody about it. Everybody about it. Uh, the weeks following, he told of, of how his dad came to church and, and his dad got saved and his dad had never been to church before. And, and it was wonderful. It was awesome. And that stuck with me. I, I guess I was at, at that age, I was very impressionable. And, and whenever we were in 11th grade, he moved off and, and he started trying to find things to fill that hole and trying to fill that void and trying to fill his life with something because God wasn't enough. He started with marijuana. He then moved on. Because for a little while, that was good enough. But eventually, like everything else, his body became accustomed to it. It didn't matter anymore. It, it didn't make him feel as good as it once did. So he moved on and he upgraded to this and he upgraded to that. And he upgraded to the other. And in 2013, we had a funeral for him. He overdosed on heroin. Because nothing could ever fill that void. Nothing could ever satisfy him. Nothing could ever fill the, the void that God left in his life whenever, whenever this particular kid left, ran away from God. Whenever he began trying to fill his life with, with the world, whenever he be try, began to try to be perfect by the flesh, whenever he be tried to be fulfilled by the flesh, well, let me tell you something, the world will never 
fulfill the spot that God serves in your life. The world will never fill the void whenever you run away from God that is left. The world will never be able to take the place of God ever. You will chase something your whole life and you'll die chasing hell, flesh, everything but God. The world cannot fulfill God's place in our life. And so Paul said, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who has got in your head? Who has tricked you? Who has challenged you? Who has, has, has pulled you away? And, and it don't happen. There are people sitting in churches today that are bewitched beyond our imagination. There are people sitting in churches today who, who really don't want to be there, but they come because their mom and daddy wants them to be there. And, and while they're in church, all they're thinking about is, is well, th this is wrong and that is wrong, and I don't know what I'm going to do for dinner. Let me go ahead and plan out my week. And, and then they have a couple kids, and they say, well, I'm not going to listen to the preacher, or I'm not going to sing because of these kids. And they commence to coloring in the coloring book while the kids sit on the pew and listen. Pay attention. That is in churches all over the world right now as we speak. People with everything but God on their mind. People with everything but the truth on their mind. And you know the reason that happens? The reason that happens is because, the, it's because Satan wants to bewitch you. It's because Satan wants you. Satan wants you. And, and I know so many times, and we Baptists, we do it too. We try to scare people to death with hell. We do it. Hey, hell is scary. It's terrifying. It really is. If I could, then I'm not going to do it. But if I could, I, I was in, in, in y'all's house the other day and I was soldering that copper up and I accidentally, no fault of the copper, I waved that torch right across the front of my hand, you know it burned. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to bring me a blowtorch in the church one Sunday. And I'm going to get up close to people and I'm going to see if they can feel the heat. And I'm going to say, hell, it's hotter than that. Because that's what Baptists want to do. Baptists want to scare you, right? Baptists want to scare you with hell. Hey, it's scarier than anything you've ever thought of before in your life. It's scarier than anything that you could ever imagine. But we don't trust in God because hell is scary. We don't believe in God because hell is scary. We don't come to church because hell is scary. We come to church for everything else. Missing hell is a, is a byproduct of a life dedicated to God and a life given over to God. Missing hell is a fringe benefit of us believing in our depravity, as the Sunday school lesson said this morning. Believing in the way, the truth, and the life at which is Jesus Christ. And missing hell is just a, a byproduct of that. <clears throat> the things that God give us and the, the things that God does for us is it's awesome is what it is. And so many times we, we experience that as kids and, and we even see miracles and we see God bless and we see God work and, and then we just, whew, that's it. It's over. Y'all ever went to a revival service? Lasted all week, and, and most of the time, especially when I was a kid, we used to vi visit around a lot. And, and on Friday nights, that was the big visiting day. So on Friday nights, you'd have to bring out folding chairs. I was talking to Brother Steve the other day. I remember when we had to bring out folding chairs at Forest Table. Had to go to the back and get them. And, and, and that's a big church. And we put folding chairs two rows down the middle of the aisle. And it wouldn't fit everybody, so we began to put folding chairs at the front. And we put a row in front of each choir on each side. And we hit, that place was full. I mean, full on Friday night. thing about it is, is does it stick? Does it stick? 
I had no idea that this was true. So I was living in a dairy barn in Ruston, Louisiana. And I had this friend of mine come over. and well, There were several of us there. And I was cooking pasta, spaghetti and something or other. Romeo was making the, the red stuff. But I, just, I was just doing the noodles. And I, and I picked one up and I laid it to the side. And I said, I'm going to taste it and see if it's ready. And, and, and this girl was there with us. She said, throw it against the wall. I said, what? She said, throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's ready. If it don't, it's not. I said, you out of your mind. I had concrete walls in the dairy barn. It wasn't going to stick to concrete. Over on the opposite wall where they had the, the wash area, it had a, a big vinyl sheet all the way across it. Kind of like the waterproofing sheets they put around bathroom, bathtubs and all. And she reached down in there. She was, she was kind of a weird person. She reached down in this bowl of water and she picked up about three noodles and poof. She slung it and it stuck against that wall. There it was. Stuck right there. She said, yep, it's done. And it began to slide down the wall. And, you know, my dog come in and ate it off the floor. Anyway, when it stuck, it was done. If it didn't stick, it wasn't, it wasn't finished. It wasn't done. As Christians, we're nowhere we're near where. Let me start that over. We are nowhere near where we need to be if the gospel does not stick in our life. If the gospel does not stick, we are nowhere near where we need to be. Does it stick? I was listening to a preacher on a podcast a couple of weeks ago when I was back during the summer. And he said, I stood up at the church that I was pastoring in and he said, I preached and I preached and I preached my heart. It just didn't seem like anybody was paying attention. It didn't seem like anybody was listening. So he said that night, I preached the same thing. He said, I, I don't think anybody noticed. I don't think anybody noticed. So he said, I came back Wednesday night and I preached the same thing again. And he said, you know, nobody noticed. Nobody said a word. So he said, the next Sunday morning I got up and I asked him, I said, does anybody remember what I preached last Wednesday night? Nobody raised their hand. Nobody would say a word. Nobody would say nothing. And then this, y'all know the sort of an older lady sitting up here in the front. She, he said, she raised her hand and she said, preacher, Preached the same thing the last two weeks. She said, We didn't want to say nothing because we thought you were just getting old. He said, That old lady right there blessed my heart as much as anything. He said, Because I know she was paying attention. Do we pay attention to the Word of God? Does it stick in our life or, or do we lose it whenever we go out that front door? Do we leave it here? Because if everything that you get from church, if, if the singing and the praising and, and the worshiping stops here, then, then we're not done yet. We still need to cook a little longer. If everything stays here, we are not done. Until it sticks, we can be fooled. We can be tricked. We can be led astray. We can be pulled into every... And, and, and the Bible says that, that, that they are... Swayed with every wind of doctrine. Blown about with every wind of doctrine. Those who are immature in the truth, in the gospel. And if we are not rooted and grounded in Christ, in the gospel, in the Bible, in church, if we are not rooted in, in, in that is not our foundation, then we are not going to stick. And you, know, and, and you know what happens at that point? We end up with a, a church that misses a couple of generations. 
We say it all the time. All the time. And every preacher that, that, that's visited here since I've been here has said the same thing. Harmony, you are blessed to have so many young people. And we are. We are. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely awesome. We have kids from, from itty bitty up to, I guess however old you are, Brother Randy. We have kids and, and we have young adults and we have young couples and, and, and we have it all. But, but is the gospel sticking in our life to the point that we take it home with us? Or is this the only time we open the Bible? Is this the only time we discuss the Bible? Is this the only time we read? I probably wasn't supposed to tell you this. But Emily, forgive me. She wanted to go out on a, a date night, right? Since we've had kids, we, we don't do that very often. I don't particularly like leaving them at home, especially since Bailey's so much fun to be around now until she gets tired. So I, my mama took both of the kids, and, and we went to Red Brick there in town, and we ate. As we were coming home, she said, well, well I guess we're going to go back and get them. This was like 6 o'clock. I said, no, 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 we're not going to go back and get them yet. So we came up here. We came in front of church. She said, what are we doing? I said, we're about to sing. Because we've we got to sing a song in church one day, eventually, right? I said, we're going to sing. So we, so we grabbed a microphone and, and we turned the, the, the sound thing on and, and, and we found some songs on YouTube and we commenced to singing. And yesterday she couldn't talk. She couldn't talk at all. And I'm, I'm hoping that she ends up singing a song for y'all here shortly because she can sing. Is the only time that we praise and worship, is the only time that we listen, and, and there's, a, there's a song that's called Jesus Music. It's a wonderful song. Is the only time we listen to Jesus music when we're in church? Is the only time that we focus on God when we're in church? Because if it is, we are not done. And I'll go a step further. If the gospel does not stick with us, we are the foolish that Paul is talking about. We are the fools. Those of us who do not care anything about the gospel except for one hour on Sunday morning. Because we get here at a few minutes after 11, we leave at a few minutes after 12, and that is it. God gave us whatever 7 times 24 is, hours to worship Him. We assume that we sleep half of that. I know all of y'all get your full 12 hours every night. So if you take 7 times the other 12 that we're awake, that's 82, right? 80, no, 84. Yeah, 84. That's 84 hours in a week. And if you take one hour out of 84 hours to worship God, you are not a Christian. You're a fool. If you worship God one out of 84 waking hours, we're not a Christian. We are the fool. Let's go a step further. We came to Sunday school this morning, which means we got two hours this week of worshiping God. If we worship God two out of 84 hours, we are not a Christian. We are a fool. If we worship God, we're going to come tonight, right? Everybody's coming back tonight. Everybody. Everybody. Hold your. Everybody's coming back tonight. So if we come back tonight, that gives us three hours that we've worshipped God this week. If we only worship God three hours a week, we are a fool. We are not a Christian. If you come on Wednesday nights, that's four hours a week. If we worship God four hours a week, we are a fool. We are not a Christian. If the only time we ever open our Bible is, is those four hours a week, we are a fool. We are not a Christian. If the only time that we sing worship songs and, and praise God and, and the only time that we pray is four hours a week, we are not a Christian. We are a fool. And Paul said, oh, Galatians, you, you have been bewitched. You have been tricked. 
Verse number five, he said, Therefore, the Spirit uh, that manners to you the Spirit, and the worketh miracles among you. Doeth he it by the words of the law and by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham, the same are saved, the same are rooted and grounded in the gospel. And the scripture, verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through their faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed. With the faithful Abraham. Are we of faith? Do we find our fulfillment in God? Do we find our fulfillment in Christ? Do we find happiness and joy in the gospel? Or do we just not care? Because the church at Galatia, they had been bewitched, they had been tricked. They had been pulled aside by everything else. They, 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 had a, they had a big golf course right down the road called Bogaloose Country Club. And they had some people going to play golf on Sunday instead of coming to, to church. And, and then right, right up from, from the church there in Galatia, they had Pools Bluff. And, and they had people that would want to go fishing on Sunday mornings. Because it was, I mean, a good morning for it. All this fresh water, the catfish going to be biting. And they said, well, we're just going to go fishing. And then, of course, you, you had the football games coming on, and nobody wanted to be late to the football games. And, and you had a couple of restaurants just up the street, and, and they didn't want to be late. They wanted to be able to get a good table, so they said, we're just not going to go. And a few of them woke up with a headache and, and a runny nose, and they said, oh, we can't go to church today. And throughout the week, as they began to stream their Netflix and their Hulu, and they began to watch everything and, and they began to take their time up with everything but the things of God. They said, we are not going to prioritize God because we have this going on. We're not going to worship God because we have this going on. We're not going to acknowledge God because we are too busy with everything else. Paul said, the things of the world has not saved you. The things of the world has not blessed you. The things of faith has. Have you any faith? You began in the faith. Most of us here began in the faith. Most of you went to kids, uh, went to kids as church, went to church as kids. Most of you made it through a Sunday school program. But did it stick? If not, then we need to get back in this gospel. And we need to cook until we stick. Until what we believe cannot be taken from us. Until what we believe cannot be stripped from us. Until what we believe we hold to so tight that nobody can convince us otherwise. Nobody. Because that's what the world wants to happen. That's what Satan wants to happen. He's had several thousand years to perfect his tactics. And most of you know he's good at it. He's got it figured out. He knows exactly what will draw you away from God. He knows exactly what will tempt you and, and, and get you out of the spirit. He knows exactly what to say. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly who to use to open up that crack. And say, I got him now. I got him now. Now at the end of chapter 3, and if you get an opportunity, it's, it's, the, the whole chapter 3 deals with this same subject. But at the end of chapter 3, 
Verse 25, Paul said, But after that faith has come, and we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye all are the children of God by faith. This morning, if you are a child of God by faith, praise God. Worship God. Believe in God. Have faith in that God. Not just saving faith, living faith. Y'all know there's different kinds of faith? You have faith whenever you believe on Jesus Christ and saving of your soul. But every day that you live in Christ after that requires faith. There's a song, the, the Jim Brady trio sings it. And, and, and I wish I could sing it, but there's way too many words and way too small of a place. It's really, really fast. And it's called Stepping Out in Faith. Stepping Out in Faith. And, and, and it takes living faith to walk through this life in a world that's against us. It takes living faith. To trust in God every single day. It takes living faith to praise God every single day. And that is what so many Christians today, so many fools today that call themselves Christians are missing. They're missing that living faith. They, they got saved and they treat it like a flu shot. They say, okay, I'm done. I'm finished. I no longer have to be faithful to the word. I no longer have to be faithful to God. I no longer have to be faithful to prayer. Do you know what goes in? They don't. Just like in that Sunday school lesson this morning. Brother Darren, I love the way he does it. Brother Darren said that if God wanted to create Adam like a robot to where Adam could not sin, he would have done it. He could have done it. If God wanted to remove the temptation, he could have picked that tree up and set it outside the garden. That way they never could have seen God gave us the ability to do what we want to do. God gave us the, 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 the mindset to believe what we want to believe. It's our decision and that's what it's called. Whether we want to believe in him or not. Whether we want to remain in him or not. Paul told Timothy to continue in that which you have learned. Continue in that which you have learned. Continue in that. And this is to save people. Continue in that which you believed in. Because if you believed in God, you've already taken care of salvation. But it's so much more than that to worship him. It's so much more than that to believe in Him. It's so much more than that to praise Him. It's so much more than that to see Him work. <coughs> and we haven't seen Him work yet. We may think we have. We, we may saw some great things. But God can show us. He's only limited by our faith. He's only limited by our faith. I pray that we could have greater faith. That we could have more faith. That we could have believing faith. And this morning, if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you about this saving faith. Verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For, you are all, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And this morning, if you are not in Christ Jesus, if you are outside of Christ Jesus, then, then, then I tell you, hell is going to be a whole lot harder than a blowtorch coming across the front of your hand. A whole lot harder. It's going to be awful. And, and I wish I could describe it in the way that it is, but, but man don't have words that way. The Bible says that it is a place of outer darkness, that it is a place of eternal fire, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, where you are burning forever, alive, and you are never burned up. Where you can see the, the, the people in heaven, we, we see that Lazarus, not Lazarus, the rich man saw Lazarus in heaven. And I believe that, that part of that torture and part of that torment, torment, you will remember the opportunities that you had on this earth to believe in Him, to miss hell, to, to believe in Jesus Christ, and you never did. You, you'll get to see your rebellion over and over and over in replay. Most of you that have kids, you, you, all, your kids found that movie that, that you absolutely hated, but they absolutely loved, right? For my daughter, it's frozen. I can near about quote that movie. 
not a good thing. She loves it. Oh my goodness, she loves it. And I believe that if we played it on replay all the time and just over and over and over and over again, that she would sit there and she would watch it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But hell is going to be us sitting there watching every opportunity, not us. I'm not going. Hell is going to be maybe one of you. Hell is going to be all of those who failed to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior sitting there on fire. On fire. Watching. On replay. Every opportunity they had to be saved. Every example of God's mercy in their life. And it will never stop. But saving faith can change all of that. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you'll believe in that Christ Jesus this morning. If you'll believe in the Jesus that came and died for your sins. If you'll believe in the Jesus that paid that price because you were, you were depraved among all other. There's nothing that you could do. Still nothing that you can do. But Jesus has done it all. The song says Jesus bore it all. He bore it all, all on the cross. He bore it all whenever he was judged for your sins. And he bore it all so you wouldn't have to. And if you'll believe in that same Jesus this morning, God for Jesus' sake will save you. Well, we have a verse of song. We're going to ask for a verse of invitation. If someone has something on their heart, we invite you to come at this time.